Wow, I, I just, man, those times in worship, just tears in my eyes. Uh, thank you, Lord, at your presence here with us. Over the last week, our church, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, had been in a time of prayer and fasting along with the other churches in the Antioch movement, and we have been praying for breakthrough around the world and here in our own church. And one of the areas of breakthrough that we were praying for was just a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I have to believe this morning is a taste of what I believe God wants to do in our midst through that time of prayer and fasting. So for everyone who joined in in fasting, everyone who joined in in prayer, just want to honor you for that. I'm excited for what is ahead of us. Now, if I look a little older and wiser, today is my birthday. I'm 42. Yes, thank you. And I like, I like the sound of 42. I got a little more gray in my beard. Uh, it's going to be a great year. And I'm really honored on my birthday to get to preach uh, to you guys. If you're new to our church, my name is Zach. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome you to our church on behalf of our community. And if Antioch Dallas is your church home, I'm so excited to get to be with you and break open God's word and hear from him. We're going to be in Hebrews today, so if you'll take out your Bible and something to write with, we are in a teaching series called Developing Resilience, Developing Resilience, and we've been studying through the book of Hebrews, learning how to develop resilience. Why? Because life can be hard, and we all need resilience in order to be able to face life's lows, life's letdowns, and life's losses, and to be able to get back up again. And for generations, the book of Hebrews has helped people around the world, followers of Jesus around the world, develop deep reservoirs of resilience that they might face life's trials and life's temptations and stay faithful to Jesus. The book of Hebrews was written to churches in the midst of a time of trial and temptation. They were facing a season of persecution these Christians to whom this letter was written to were Jewish background. Their, their heritage was Jewish. They had placed their faith in Jesus as Messiah, as the king. And they were in the midst of a great conflict, both in their own community and in the Roman Empire. They were facing suffering. They had been insulted publicly. They were physically persecuted. They had had property taken from them because of their faith in Christ and many had been put in prison. Scholars estimate that the book of Hebrews was written around the year 67 AD, a few short years before. James, one of the leaders in the early church, a pillar of the early church, had been martyred for following Jesus. Uh, in this same time period, Emperor Nero scapegoated the Christian community in Rome over a fire that had been started. He blamed the Christians. And so there was an intense wave of persecution that went out against the church. It was in this season that many Christian leaders were executed. It was in this season that Peter was crucified. It was in this season that Paul was beheaded. It was in this season that followers of Jesus were under incredible pressure, discouragement, and opposition. And for these Christians to whom this letter was written because of their Jewish background, they had a way out. They could have renounced their faith in Christ. They could have turned from following Jesus. And in the Roman Empire, the Jewish people were a protected class of people. So they could have just said, hey, uh, 
Forget that. We'll kind of go back to the way that we were. We'll retreat. We'll give up. We'll, we'll kind of go back. We'll turn away from Jesus. And if they'd done that, all the persecution against them would have stopped. So you have to imagine that was an incredible temptation in the midst of the trials going on around them. And the author of Hebrews, we actually don't know who wrote the book, but the author that wrote it, who was anonymous, there are different theories about who it was. They wrote this letter to these Jesus followers in this time of trial and temptation. And they wrote it so that these believers might develop resilience, so that they might develop endurance, so that they might, in the face of trial, in the face of temptation, in the face of weariness and suffering and loss, that they might stay faithful to King Jesus. And the Holy Spirit worked in their midst through these words to build that resilience. And it's our belief that as we go through this as a church over these nine weeks, that as we learn and listen to God's word, that the Holy Spirit is going to do what he's so faithful to do. And that is to build resilience in you and in me for the trials and temptations that we face, the weariness that we face the burdens that we carry, that we might find the resilience we need, the spiritual strength we need to stay faithful to Jesus in the midst of our trials and temptations. So the series is nine weeks long. This is week six. So we have three more weeks after this week, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter six. As we've gone through, we've seen a number of ways that the Holy Spirit develops resilience in us and how we partner with the Holy Spirit to do that, we've seen that we develop resilience through paying attention to Jesus, that by looking at him, we are strengthened. We receive spiritual strength by paying attention to him, that we develop resilience through receiving Jesus' help. Just say this every week. It's such a blow away. Jesus wants to help you and me in your trial, in your temptation, in your hardship, in life's lows, letdowns, and losses, Jesus wants to help you. And in receiving his help and learning how to do that, we develop resilience. We develop resilience through giving and receiving encouragement. As we give and receive encouragement, the Holy Spirit literally puts courage inside of us. We develop resilience through rest. What we learned last week is that we develop resilience through training. We saw that we're not just called to be disciples who try to follow Jesus. We're not just called to be a church that tries to follow him, but that we're disciples who train to follow Jesus. And we're a training church and we're training for godliness. We're training for endurance. We're training for perseverance. We're training for resilience. And I've heard from a number of you in this series how God is taking his word and he's planting it in you in fresh ways, and you're experiencing a renewed resilience in the midst of the trials that we're in. And I'm really thankful for that. And today, what we're going to see is another tool of the Holy Spirit, another way as a disciple of Jesus that we develop resilience, that the Holy Spirit works in us to build resilience, and that is through imitation. We develop resilience through imitation. Look in Hebrews chapter 6 starting in verse nine, Hebrews chapter six, and we're gonna read on through verse 15. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. 
things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate, there's that word, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, God swore by himself. And he said, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. Verse 15, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Now, the book of Hebrews is built around a series of warnings and encouragements. Oftentimes, good meals that we eat are built around like salty and sweet or savory and sweet. They're, they're built around a flavor profile. Hebrews is built like that. There's a series of warnings and there's a series of encouragements. The warnings and the encouragements are all done from a place of love. They're all done from a desire to see these people prosper and thrive in God, and they're both needed. There are five significant warnings in Hebrews. One, beware of drifting. We saw that. That's why we need to pay attention to Jesus. Second one was beware of missing his rest, right? That's why we develop resilience through being attentive to rest and striving diligently to enter into his rest. Beware of dullness and falling away from the faith. That's what we looked at last week, and that's what this section picks up on. That's the beginning of this section. And then two more warnings coming in Hebrews 10. Beware of willful sinning. We'll get to that. And beware of refusing Christ. So he's given a number of warnings. What we read here comes on the heels of a strong warning. And here he comes in with encouragement. He says to them, even though we speak like this, even though we're warning you and we're warning you because you need to be warned, he said, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. He's hopeful of what God is going to do in them and the way that they are going to make it. He said the things that have to do with salvation, he's speaking words of hope to them. He's speaking uh, words of confidence in God's faithfulness and in them that they're going to make it. He's encouraging them. And then he goes into the next verse, and I've come to this verse hundreds of times. If you are a Bible memory person, you probably have this verse memorized. If you're not a scripture memory person, this is a great one to memorize. Then the author says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Now, I don't know of something more uh, wearisome, more discouraging than when you feel like what you do doesn't matter. When you are in a time where things are hard and you're like, does what I do even matter? Does anyone even notice? Do I matter? Why are things this hard? All of those thoughts that I'm sure if you're anything like me, you've had those so many times in life. When you're going through and things are hard, you're like, does, does this even have a point? Like, why am I doing this? Does it, does it matter? And sometimes those questions are helpful, but oftentimes those questions are discouraging. Has anyone ever felt that way? Anyone ever had those thoughts go through your mind? Now, we're in church, so you need to be honest, and I need to see every hand up because we've all thought that. 
And I imagine that's what these Christians, they're hearing all these warnings. They're seeing what they've been through. They're like, man, I know I need to hear the hard words, but like, are you seeing what we've lost? Are you seeing what we've been through? Are you seeing the ways that we've suffered and sacrificed? And does anybody notice? Does it even seem like God notices us here? I mean, we're, we're trying, right? Right? And he says, hey, I want to speak this over you. God is not unjust. God sees you. God sees the work and the love that you have shown to his people. And in showing love to his people and working on behalf of others, you've shown love to God himself. And God sees that. In fact, it would go against the justice of God to let that go unnoticed. It would go against the justice of God to let that go unrewarded. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 25 teaches us that even a cup of cold water given out in his name will be rewarded. And the author here is speaking this into people's hearts, into their spirits, saying, God sees you. What you're doing is not futile. What you're doing matters. You matter. The work that you're doing matters. The love that you're showing matters. And when you're loving people in Jesus' name, you are loving him, and God receives that as love to him. And his justice says, I am going to reward you. That will not be overlooked. And so I want to speak to the thoughts that are going through all of our minds here in our church. Every feeling that you have of futility, every feeling of God, I'm trying to follow you, and I feel like I'm out kind of on my own, taking these steps of faith, and it's not working out exactly how I plan it. It's very hard. Does what I do matter? Is where I'm going matter? Do you see me? Do you know? And the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you what he spoke to this early church, and he wants to say, God is not unjust. God sees you. Let that sink in. Let that wash over your spirit today. There are people that have come here today that are like, God, I don't know. Do you see me anymore? It feels like you're far away. And here we have this song that was just birthed this morning to remind you that Jesus has torn the veil in two, that when he died, he made a way that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And so we may feel like, God, I don't feel you right now. I don't know. No, here's truth. God is not unjust. God sees the love and the work that you are loving other people in his name, and he will reward you. He will be faithful. So he's speaking these words of encouragement to the church, and the Holy Spirit speaks those to us today. And then alongside those words of encouragement, he begins to call them up. How many of us know when we're weary? Sometimes we just need someone to come along and see something in us and call us up. When you're just like, man, I'm running the race, I'm tired, this is hard, and you need someone to come along and believe in you and say, no, I see more in you, I'm calling you up. What we read next is not him calling them out, not him scolding them, don't read it like that, he's calling them up. He's calling these believers up, and here's what he says. He says, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end, the way that you began the race. The way that you began the journey through the wilderness, the love that you showed to Jesus and showed to his people, the way you begin, we want you to show that same diligence all the way to the end. Here in the middle, when it's really hard and you're hitting the wall, don't slow down. Don't give up. Keep going. 
Keep running the race. That's what he's speaking to these Jesus followers. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and me in this season. Everyone who is here today, who is tired, who is weary, who is burnt out, who is struggling, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. God sees you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows the ways that you've shown love to him through the way you've loved people. Keep going. Don't slow down. Don't give up. Show that same diligence. The Holy Spirit wants to call you and me up this morning. And then in verse 12, he said, we don't want you to become lazy. Contrast that with diligence, right? When you're running a race, when you're on a journey, when it's getting hard, right? You can press in and keep going. Or those are places where you kind of drift off here. They say become lazy, but imitate. Everyone say imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, in our culture, we often think of imitation as bad. Oh, that's an imitation. You know, I remember my parents one time got me a, a backpack uh, that was, I thought it was a North Face. It turned out it was a North Fake. It was an imitation backpack, right? We don't like that stuff, right? We don't want to be a copycat of anyone else. But here, what we see is that it actually is wise for us to imitate people. And here, he's calling us to be imitators, not of the world, not of our culture, but to be imitators of those through who, um, through whom faith and patience inherit God's promises. So he's calling us to imitate. And let's dive into this because this is so important. What we see here is that this is a way that we develop spiritual strength. This is a way we develop resilience through imitation. And he's going to go on and he's going to give an example to kind of make the point for them. He said, when God made his promise to Abraham... Since there was no one greater for him to swear by, God swore by himself. Now, if you're new to scripture, and I know many of you in our church are very familiar with Hebrews, but I also know every week we have people who are making their way back to God. If you're new to scripture, he's going back to the book of Genesis here. He's going back to the beginning. He's referencing the father of their faith, Abraham. So he's doing a flashback and he's going to talk about his life. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But he says, if Abraham, God swore to Abraham, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So to this encouragement, this calling up, that the way that we show diligence to the end, the way we find spiritual strength and resilience is through imitation of those who through faith and endurance inherited promises. He highlights Abraham. Now in Hebrews chapter 11, he's going to highlight a number of other saints from church history. He's going to highlight them. There are plenty of saints that we can emulate, but he wants them to focus on Abraham. Abraham would have been a hero of theirs. He would have been someone that they knew about from childhood. And he's holding Abraham up and he's saying, hey, I want you to imitate Abraham, imitate the faith of Abraham. Why? Why should they imitate his faith? What does imitation do? How does it help us develop resilience? Number one, if you're taking notes, imitation leads to integration. Imitation leads to integration. What I mean by that is this week, uh, we had a problem with our washer and dryer. We had some water coming out in places it shouldn't have been coming out. And my wife and I were trying to figure out what to do. And she sends me a YouTube video that explains how to address the specific problem we're trying to fix. So I watched the YouTube video. 
I watch the person go through. Here's what you do. Here are the tools that you need. Here's how you break this down. And as I watched, then I went and I imitated what they did because I'd never done this before. I followed the steps on the video. I reround a couple times. I got it. It worked. And now the next time that I need to do this, I know how to do it. Right? Imitation, imitating that person helped me to know how to do this. Now I can integrate it into my own life. I can take that and make it my own. I don't need to look on that video anymore. In the same way, that is how we as people learn. Scientists tell us, and parents, you can attest this from a young age, our brains are wired for imitation. And young babies are watching the world around them. They're watching their parents, and they're imitating what they do because that is how we learn. As we watch people crawl or walk or eat or talk or smile, right? Children learn, okay, this is what you do. And then it begins to be integrated into their lives. The same principle is true for faith. Imitation leads to integration. So if we're needing to learn how to walk by faith with endurance, which these Christians were needing, and I would put before us that we need as well, he's saying you need to look to the heroes of the faith, and you need to imitate their faith as a child would imitate their parents. And as you do, it will build that in you. It will integrate that faith into your life. And here's the thing that we need to know about Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith was marked by endurance. If you're thinking about a running analogy, Abraham's faith was not a sprint. Abraham was not the Usain Bolt of faith in God. 10 seconds and I'm there. Abraham's faith was an enduring faith. It was a marathon runner's faith. I'm going to try and say this name properly, so please forgive me if I don't pronounce it. Uh, Abraham's faith was like Eliud Kipchoge, who is the Olympic uh, winner and world record holder for the marathon. So Abraham's faith is a marathon running faith. Why do I say that? When Abraham received the promise from God that God was going to give him descendants, it was 25 years before the first down payment on that promise came to be. 25 years. As a pastor, we often have people in our church walk through infertility, and I'm just aware of the pain and the emotional burden that comes with that and the the hopes that rise each month and fall each month and rise each month and fall each month and this and that. And Abraham lived in that tension with his wife for 25 years with nothing but the promise of God, walking in faith. Abraham's faith is a faith of endurance. On the marathon idea, uh, you may or may not know this, but I, I found this interesting. Since 1968, Ethiopian and Kenyan runners have dominated long-distance running events, like the current world record holder, whose name I will not try and say again, uh, so I don't embarrass myself. But researchers have studied, why is this? Why are Kenyans and Ethiopians so good at races like the marathon? And here's what they found. They found that they have a genetic predisposition, that their genes are wired for endurance racing, uh, that they develop 
uh, a breathing system from a young age because of the amount of running that is in their culture. Uh, the, the diet that they eat in Kenya and Ethiopia is perfect for endurance running. And they live and train at altitude, which helps them in their breathing. In short, they are built for these type of runs. They're built different. Here's why I'm sharing this with you. When you hear about Abraham, what I want you to know is that the faith that you and I have within us is that kind of faith. We're built different. When Jesus comes into your life, when you make Jesus Lord, the Bible says he adopts you into his family. That adoption is not just an external, you're brought in, but he literally puts royal blood inside of you. He puts a new genetic code inside of you, a spiritual genetic code. And what I need for you to know is regardless of the code of your family, the code of your heavenly father, the genetic code, the genetic predisposition of your heavenly father and your king is one of endurance. One that we see in Abraham, that's the faith that runs in our veins is we're built different. We're built for endurance. Your faith, the Christian faith is not built for a sprint. You're not 10 seconds and I received the promise and we're good to go. No, 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 no. We are people of endurance. We are people built different, built to run with endurance. And as we look to Abraham's faith, just like a Kenyan child who wants to be a great runner would look to the heroes of their culture and then would begin to imitate their training plan. And as they imitated the training plan, what would happen? That training plan would access the power and potential of their genetic code and they'll become a great runner. As we look to Abraham and other heroes like him, as Hebrews would challenge us to look to Jesus, to look to the great cloud of witnesses that surround us, as we look to them and we begin to imitate their lives, we begin to imitate their faith, it unlocks that genetic code, that spiritual genetic code within us, and it builds endurance, it builds resilience within us. So we are in need of resilience. We are in need of endurance. And guess what? That's what you're built for if you're in Christ. And as we begin to imitate the faith of people like Abraham, that enduring faith, we're fine. We're built for endurance runs. We're built for long runs. You're built for hard seasons. You are not of those who shrink back. You are not of those who give up. That's not what you're built for. You're built different. That's what the author of Hebrews wants you to know. And he wants to say, hey, you need to look at Abraham and see his life. And as you imitate his faith, it will be integrated into you. And it will become your own. And you will have your own story of enduring faith in Christ. I'm preaching today on my birthday. I hope you're receiving it. Second, imitation leads to inspiration. Right? He's challenged them and he said, I don't want you to be lazy. I want you to be diligent. Those are two opposites. Well, how are they going to move from laziness to diligence? It's through imitation. You see this work on playgrounds all of the time. You'll see kids, they're trying something. There's an eight-foot wall, and they're thinking about jumping off of it. Their parents are horrified, right? And the kid's afraid, but then he sees another kid do it. And he's like, well, if, if he can do that and land, he was okay, then I'm going to go ahead and jump, right? The same thing is true when we imitate someone else's faith, when we look at Abraham's faith and we say, wow, look at how he followed God. Look at how he walked out of a comfortable place. He was in a city called Ur. It was the height of comfort. And he didn't live for comfort or security, but he followed God's voice out from that place into this life of wilderness, into this life of journeying with God. 
And when you see that, you're like, man, I think, I'm, I, think I could do that too. I could follow God's voice off of my map into where God's calling me. When you look at Abraham and you see, wow, look at the way that he endured in faith year after year after year. He wasn't perfect. You read his life. He made plenty of mistakes, but there was a faith there. And you see that you're like, I think I could endure in faith maybe longer than what I imagined. We're such an instantaneous generation. I get frustrated at Amazon if it doesn't have same day delivery, right? That's how we are. But our faith doesn't work that way. And as we see it play out in Abraham's life and other heroes of the faith, as we watch and then we begin to imitate, we begin to take steps because this isn't just information. You got to put some skin in the game on this. It's saying imitate, not just know about, not just do a Bible study about, right? But imitate. As we start to imitate, oh, I can, I can do this. I'm made for this. This is how it works. So imitation leads to integration. Imitation leads to inspiration. It helps us not be lazy, but diligent to run diligently. Last, imitation leads to inheritance. At the end of Abraham's life, what he points out here is that Abraham received the thing that he was promised for. He received a down payment. Guess what? On the other side of imitation, why the author wants the Hebrews church to imitate the faith of Abraham is because he knows there's an inheritance on the other side. That the wilderness is not forever. That the in-between, the messy middle is not forever. But there are promises that God wants to give that come through endurance. And as we imitate Abraham, guess what? There is promise. There's inheritance for us. So why should we imitate the faith? Aaron? Why should they? Man, because it's going to help them integrate and build their own faith. Because it's going to inspire them not to grow weary in the journey. And because there's an inheritance on the other side. And why would the Holy Spirit bring this to us today? Because the same is true for us here in this church, in this generation. But as we look to Abraham and we look to the saints, the great cloud of witnesses, and we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we begin to imitate them, it builds resilience within us. It develops spiritual strength within us to run the race. And there are four specific areas that we're just going to go into a ministry time now. There are four specific areas that I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit that are specific application points for us. I don't imagine all four of these are for you, but I bet that there's one in here. So I want to give you a chance to hear them, and then we're going to take time to have our prayer and prophetic team come forward. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe the Lord for breakthrough. First area of application is who are you imitating? Think about it. Who are you imitating? There were lots of people around these Christians who were returning to old ways, who were giving up, who were checking out, were just kind of buying into the lies of the Roman Empire or buying into the lies of whatever their family said. They, were, they weren't following Jesus anymore. They weren't going that way. And the Hebrews right here were tempted to imitate them. I have been concerned for the body of Christ. Over the last year and a half in particular, it's become particular on my radar screen. Who are we imitating? I'm seeing a whole lot more of us looking like we're imitating the world and the way the world does things 
than we are imitating the heroes of the faith. And so I want to ask you, are you imitating the person uh, that, that you see here or there? Are you imitating Jesus? And are you imitating the heroes of the faith? Who are you imitating? And as I share this, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, convicting you, and you're realizing, man, I have been imitating so many other people and ideas and ways of going about things, I want to call you back here in a moment to that place of imitating Jesus, of following him, and of imitating the heroes of the faith and their faith, that through that faith, we would inherit promises together. Second point of application, I believe that there are people here today that like Abraham, you sense God's calling you into something new. You sense God's calling you out of a place of comfort and security. That's where Abraham was, and God called him out. And you've been like, ah, I don't know, maybe, maybe even come to church today, and you're like, I, God, I need a sign from you. I need a word from you. Here's your word. Here's your sign. God's calling you out. It's time for you to leave your ur. It's time for you to leave your place of comfort and security and the plan that you built for your life, the wonderful plan that you built for your life. And it's time to listen to the voice of God, which is probably going to call you out from comfort, out from security, and into this place of faith and dependence on him. And if that's you today, in just a moment, I want to invite you to come forward. We want to pray with you, and we want to encourage you to take that step. There are others of you that you're in the middle. Like you are in the, I've got the promise, and it has been a minute. It's been more than a minute. And I don't know. I'm tempted to second guess myself. I'm tempted to second guess the Lord. I'm tempted to give up. I'm tempted to become lazy. I'm tempted to just kind of peter out here. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today and wants to break off laziness, break off discouragement, and remind you that you're built for endurance. So in just a few moments, if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you've got a promise from God and you're not seeing it right now, the, 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 the promise is not visible and you're in the middle, we want to believe with you today and we want to encourage you to keep running. And then the third uh, specific application point specific application point is when if we're talking about an inheritance in God and you're like, I don't eat, I'm new to all this. I don't even know, but man, something is drawing me. The presence of God is here in worship. I'm trying to piece it all together. And you feel like, man, maybe it's time for me to make a decision to follow Jesus, to step into the inheritance that God has for my life. We want to pray with you. So I want to invite you to stand those four specific things. One, you realize you're imitating the wrong people. Number two, you know that God's calling you out from comfort and security. Number three, you're in the middle on that journey and you need someone to tell you, keep running the race. Number four, you're like, I need to follow Jesus. If I can get our prayer and prophetic team to come forward, our staff, our overseers, we're gonna pray into those things. And the worship team is gonna lead us in worship uh, as we try and respond to these words. This is so important. When you hear the word of the Lord, we are called to do something with it. The Bible says that when we hear, but we don't respond and implement, we deceive ourselves. That the power is not just in hearing, but the power is when we take it and walk it out. So there's something here for everyone today to walk out. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you develop resilience within us. Lord, when we imitate you and other heroes of the faith, that through imitating faith, Lord, their lives of faith, Lord, we inherit promises through faith and endurance. 
I'm gonna pray for our church. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you move? Would you speak to people? Would you prompt hearts? Would you challenge people and encourage people today? We listen for your voice. In Jesus' name. As the Lord leads, I wanna invite you to respond.